This morning, I want to take some time and get you to focus. Everybody say the word focus. Because our focus today, I guarantee you, is elsewhere. And what we need to do this morning, just for a good 35, 40 minutes, is focus uh, on what God wants to speak to us about. How he wants to encourage us, how he wants to challenge us, how he wants to bless us. Because that's what his word says, that he does want to bless us, he wants to meet our needs. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. That's what the word of God says, and we're going to look at that in a few moments, and out of the book of Philippians, when you get uh, a chance, turn your Bibles over there to chapter number four, the book of Philippians chapter number four, and verse 19 has to be one of the best known verses uh, that you and I hold on to in the Word of God. There are so many key verses, we know that, but there are some that as, as, as the people of God, as Christians, we hold on to and the promise of God and, and the provision that God says he will bring to us. And it's not hard to see why Philippians 4.19 is one of the key verses that so many Christians hold on to because what this verse promises, and we do believe in the promises of God, that God will meet uh, every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that, that's why one of the reasons we as Christians hold on to that key promise of God. And he, as we're going to read the scripture in a few moments, says that he will meet all of our needs, not some of them, not a few of them or selected ones, but he said all, every Every single one of our needs will be met as believers of Jesus Christ. And not only us as individuals, but this sermon is also going to include us as a body, uh, a, a church. Because this scripture speaks about specifically a church that God says is going to be provided for. And we know that the people make up the church. But yet, in a sense, we're going to see how not only is God meeting the needs of the individual, but yet he's meeting the, church, the needs of the church that the individual, individuals belong to. And that's critical and that's important because how many know that the church, the ministry, also has needs just like we do as individuals? And God, in his word, says that he promises to meet every single need. And specifically, when we are involved in a certain part of ministry. What is that certain part of ministry? What is that area that God says, I will meet all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus and bless your life? as well as the church. Well, we're going to see that in Philippians chapter 4, and starting with verse um, 10, Philippians 4, verse 10. Paul writes to this church, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Remember that. Underline that in your, 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 your Bible or in your uh, notepad that you have. I, he says, 
Rejoice because you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing up plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things to him who strengthens me. Yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia... No church, say those two words with me, no church, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And now listen to what he says after he said all of that. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, uh, to God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so the theme uh, that the Apostle Paul is speaking about and that I want to key on this morning in the title of this message uh, is asking a question. Are you mission-minded? Are you mission-minded? And not only us as individuals, but as a church, as a ministry, are we mission-minded? And we're going to answer that question as we take a look at some of the areas that Paul the Apostle speaks about and some of the qualities and mindsets uh, that uh, define mission-minded people and define mission-minded congregations or uh, ministries. According to verse 15, the church that had every need met by God was the church at Philippi. And we know the church is made up of people, as I said earlier. So the understanding and the concept this morning is that if you and I want God to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, then... What the Word of God says, uh, we need to pattern ourselves after this church at Philippi. Pattern our lives as individuals as well as a church ministry after this church at Philippi because they were mission-minded. What caused God to want to meet their needs? Well, number one, first and foremost, they had a different perspective than most people had than other churches had. The church at Philippi had a different mindset. You see, this morning, mission-minded people see the world from another perspective aside from their own individual lives. 
They have a world perspective, a perspective outside of their own personal little world. And I know this morning that we have mission-minded people right here in this congregation today. I know that beyond a shadow of fact. And I, beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I know also that we have mission-minded people in our other congregations that we have outside of this church, in our ministry. And I know that also as a matter of fact. How do you recognize mission-minded people? How do you know who they are? Do they walk around with a logo on their hat? Mission-minded? Do they have jerseys or coats they wear that identify them as mission-minded? Do we, do we have signs outside of our church and post it on the walls that say mission-minded? What sets them apart? What causes them to be blessed as the Apostle Paul is speaking about? I'll tell you what sets them apart. The fact is that they are aware, mission-minded people are aware of the power of, of the gospel that's able to touch not only their life and their family, but they want the power of the gospel to go outside of where they are and begin to touch other people. That is what mission-minded people are all about. That's how you identify mission-minded people. They don't... They don't uh, look at the gospel as exclusive to themselves, as only for their, their unique only needs, but yet they also understand their needs outside of their own world. Even the smallest acts of giving and investing in missions outside of our purview, outside of our own little world, can demonstrate God's mercy and God's grace uh, to those people who are in need, uh, those people who are searching uh, for truth. This is what happens. Mission-minded people, when we have outreaches, when we evangelize, when we go to other churches and other cities to let them know about the love of Jesus Christ, uh, these are mission-minded people who say, come on, let's saddle up and let's get going. Let's do a caravan and let's get everybody and let's go tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are mission-minded people. God blesses mission-minded people. And in our text, this is exactly what was taking place. That uh, Paul was talking about how the church at Philippi met his needs again and again. And after he began to describe uh, their concern, he uses that word more than once. After he begins to describe uh, their dedication and commitment uh, to helping him when he was away from them in another part of the world, uh, he says these words, And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in, Christ, uh, in glory by Christ Jesus. You see the connection this morning. There's a connection when it comes to the blessing of God, the provision of God. There's a direct connection when we are involved uh, in missions uh, outside of our own uh, world. But everybody knows that. Every Christian reads the Word of God, don't they? <laughs> well, there are a few on here that agree. The Bible. The Bible. The Word of God. 
Believer's instructions before leaving earth, B-I-B-L-E. And we understand that we are supposed to know the scripture and supposed to understand the concept of what God's word says according to our lives and, and the responsibilities that we have as the people of God. And so everybody knows that, but why are only such, so few actually involved in uh, being concerned about missions, in investing in missions outside of their own world? Well, mission-minded people, as I said, have a concern for other people, not just themselves. They have a genuine concern for what's happening in other people's lives. And, and let, me, let me clarify, mission-minded missions. Mission, a mission can be somewhere outside of, a mission can be a neighborhood outside of your own neighborhood. Okay, now, I know we, we can talk about other countries, and, and we will, and we're talking about maybe other states, that's fine. But when you're mission-minded, it, it means something outside of my locality, where I am. You know, when Nancy and I lived in England, it's, it was different back in, in, the, in the 80s. Because everybody, everybody was, was, was enclosed in their own communities. They, they lived in their communities. They grew up, went to school, and died in their own communities. They never really traveled a lot back in those days. And so they would do their shopping in their community. They had green grocers, butchers, uh, dairy, etc. And so milk was delivered to the house back then. Isn't that great? Have milk delivered to your house. We used to have milk delivered to our house. That, that was just something that happened. And you had to put little things on top of the, of the bottles because the birds would come and come cut through the top and they would eat the cream. So you go out and get your milk. And you go, what in the world happened? And you would see the holes in there where the birds sucked out the cream. Those were the days. Those were the days. But everybody, you, you shopped down the street. You, you, you had furniture stores down the street. You never left your community. Mission-minded people are not like that. Mission-minded people step outside of their own comfort zones, their own communities, and look at needs and say, I have a concern for them. I don't care what color they are, what their social status is. I don't care how much money they have or don't have. They are people that Jesus Christ gave his life for. This is what it means to be mission-minded. Listen to verse 10. Paul said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Renewed. And apparently, maybe they maybe drifted away for a while. And how many know we can drift away from concern, being concerned about others? We can lose that over a period of time. We become, we become so self-absorbed in our own lives and what's going on in us and around us and what I need and what, what I want and Maybe here these, these, these folks kind of lost their concern, but he says, now you have a renewed concern. Indeed, you have been concerned, and maybe you had no opportunity to show it. You see, God meets the needs of those people, Christians and churches, who are concerned about meeting the needs of others. Because we live in a world, again, that people are so focused on themselves.
What do you call that? <laughs> oh, yeah, we know. I mean, selfie sticks, extensions, and, and you know, everything, just to make sure at every angle, you know, we, we get the we get the selfie. <laughs> and we laugh, but you know, this is this 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 wasn't around maybe 20 years ago, right? 15 years ago, I don't know, maybe it was, I don't. Know, but and and and, and it's it's a process where people start becoming involved and consumed and eyeballs focused inward instead of outward. Think about the social media. I mean, social media has its good things, and I get it, et cetera, and so on, but social media can become so self-absorbing. You know, see what I've done. Look where I've been. Look where I'm going. See what, what, what's taken, and, and on it, what I'm eating. <laughs> I mean, it probably even people brushing. See how I brush my teeth and clean my ears? And, and, and we've become so self-centered in our society. It's the truth, isn't it? And because you have social media doesn't mean you're self-centered. Maybe. <laughs> Depends on how you use it. But it's, it's a mindset that has grasped society to where they, they become so, so consumed by themselves. They've lost concern for a dying world. Churches the same way. They become so inward, and I preached a sermon a couple of months ago about that very thing, how, how eventually people could become so self-centered, they lose sight of those who are hurting and in need. Someone said this, to make a difference in someone's life, you don't have to be brilliant, you don't have to be rich, you don't have to be beautiful or perfect, you just have to care. Isn't that simple? You just have to care. And it can take any one of us here this morning to make a difference in someone's life. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, in the first two verses, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. New harvest, Norwalk. New harvest, Christian fellowship has always been involved in uh, the mission field and in uh, the harvest field. We, we, we are, are, what, 47 years old as a ministry and fellowship. And uh, we have always been involved in outreaching. After, from the very beginning, six months after Sister Nancy and I got saved, back in 1975, we were out into other states with our music group, ministering and witnessing in, throughout Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, uh, uh, and every, every, two weeks, every year we would go out and spend two weeks out there in, in the mission field. This is part of who we are. This is ingrained. This, this is our DNA. We don't just talk about it. It's not something we say we do or have been involved in. We are constantly, it's a fabric of our ministry. 
Nancy, Sister Nancy and I started the first missionary churches of our fellowship, in, as I said, in England back in 1983. We established six churches during the five years plus that we were there in, in, in Manchester. Before we planted the churches in Manchester, we were in San Diego and in Las Vegas planting a church. Today, as a ministry, we have churches in Central America and Mexico. Praise God. Let, let me tell you something. We are a mission-minded ministry. We need to be a mission-minded people. It's not just for a few, not for some, not with people who have a badge that says I'm mission-minded. It's for every believer that believes that Jesus Christ is Lord. That it is our responsibility to be mission-minded. Pastor Pete Gutierrez, our pastor in Managua, Nicaragua. He will be going into Panama soon to meet with some pastors there who want to be a part, uh, who are interested in New Harvest Christian Fellowship uh, and want to be a part of what we are doing uh, in the kingdom of God. He will be going with our pastor there in, from uh, El Salvador. And uh, we will be investing in him, uh, in them, uh, while they are there, getting them there, helping them while they are there in Panama. Wouldn't it be great to have some churches in Panama? Wow, that, how awesome is that, to be able to have an outreach there. And not just so we can stick something, another pin on the board or whatever, but that we can begin to pray and co-labor and believe God that miracles are going to happen in their congregations also. See, the bottom line is if we don't have a concern for people outside of our own world, then we're going to find ourselves overlooking every opportunity that God gives us to show concern through our giving. Dave and Zena, wasn't it great, or Dave, wasn't it great to be in, in Guam? Dave, Dave uh, Rivas and his, his wife Zena and the kids, some of the kids, were in Guam. Think about that. They went out there and said, we'll go. They went out and they got sent. We sent them and they were out there in Guam reaching people for the kingdom of God. Praise God. God for that, right? Mexicali, Pastor George, huh? Mexicali out there laboring for Jesus Christ. Pastor George Garcia, amen, now our chaplain. I mean, you know, where does it stop? Mission-minded. It's who we are. It's, what's, that's, that's a part of our DNA. And we don't want to miss any opportunity God gives us as a congregation to invest and be a part of, of reaching people. You see, every day, especially nowadays, we are exposed to different groups and organizations asking for your money to help their causes. Some causes are good, and then some causes maybe not so good. And so we decide and make choices, and we choose which ones we want to support, and we choose which ones uh, we don't want to support because we have no concern for their cause, no concern for why they're raising money. But you see, it's different for you and I as the people of God. 
It's different for you and I as Christian men and women. Our cause uh, is the cause of Jesus Christ, uh, that he gave his life uh, for the people uh, that are lost and that are hurting. Uh, and this is what we do at New Harvest Christian Fellowship. Our cause is the harvest field, uh, reaching people beyond uh, our reach whenever the opportunity is given to us. And that's why Jesus said in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what that which was lost. Those lost people, those hurting people in other nations, in other communities around us that are hurting and broken. Sad there will always be Christians and congregations, ministries that aren't really concerned about missions, and that's sad to say. But yet, that doesn't preclude us from taking the baton and taking the torch to reach people for the kingdom of God. In verse 15 in our text, Paul writes, and he says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, the early days, in other words, uh, when they first got saved. When I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in this matter of giving and receiving, except you only. Wow. So even when they were new converts, they had a heart uh, to invest in missions, uh, had a heart to invest in people outside of their comfort zone. And so when's the best time to start getting involved in mission, missions and, and going and helping people or investing with your finances? When's the best time to do that? When you get saved. When you first get saved, just like when you tithe, when you give to the Lord. Start doing it and you first get saved. Why? Because God will begin to get involved in a greater dimension in your life in a better way, especially when it comes to missions. All your needs will be met. And my God, and my God will supply and meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, by, in, by, in, in glory by Christ Jesus. Let's not lose our concern. Let's not lose our focus and become self-focused when it comes to people. If you need your focus renewed, if you need your concern renewed, it's a good opportunity to start investing in missions, a good opportunity to start uh, investing in other people and helping other people. The other quality that Philippi, the church at Philippi had and mission-minded people as they find their contentment in the Lord. They were content in their giving. They were content in helping outside of uh, where they lived. The Apostle Paul, you know, he was the missionary. He was the one out there planting the churches and meeting, going and meeting the needs of, of those congregations. And this is what he said, and, and I believe because Paul had an influence in those churches, in, especially in, in Philippi, in that Philippian church. He had an influence there, and they, they caught that. They caught his heart. They, they caught his, his priorities of, of missions and reaching people. 
And this is what he said in verse 11 and 13. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who strengthens me. You see, the, the Apostle Paul was able to find the secret of contentment in the Lord, that he did not base his life upon circumstances of life, but upon his relationship with Jesus Christ. His contentment came not from his surroundings, not from what he had or did not have. His contentment was found in that he was a, a believer in Jesus Christ and had a born-again experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where his contentment came. And I believe that that was sown into the church at Philippi. So that, as he said, they were able to give beyond and sacrificially that, that what they had. They were still content in doing that. They were not angry. They, they were not discontented. Oh, here we go again. He's going to be asking for money for, for his mission there to Macedonia. That didn't happen. But their contentment uh, was the same as the Apostle Paul's, uh, is that uh, their lives had been changed. Their sins uh, are being forgiven. Uh, their names were written in the Lamb's book of life, and they had a promise of eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. The difference between contentment and happy, because happiness is a momentary, temporary, high point in the person's life. You can be happy because you just had a good meal. But that happiness leaves because you're hungry again. You can be happy because you got a new car, but that happiness leaves because now you got to fix it. You can be happy because you, have, you got married, but now that happiness leaves because now you got to fix that marriage. You got to work on that marriage. You see, happiness is different from contentment. Contentment is not conditional like happiness is. Happiness is based on circumstances, based on emotions. On the other hand, contentment comes from within, comes from what's going on inside. The Apostle Paul said, I know what it is to have, not to have, to be filled, not filled, etc., and so on. He said, big deal. He said, but my contentment, my fulfillment comes because I know the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes because I have a relationship with God. And it's that same contentment uh, that this church at Philippi had uh, that they knew that no matter what circumstances, whether they had or not, they were still going to help the Apostle Paul. It's not about what's happening outside, but it's what's happening inside of us uh, that counts, uh, that God blesses uh, and meets the needs of all his people. See, we're not going to give to missions some people say, unless I have enough, unless I have extra, or I'm, I feel good about it. Discontented people never become mission-minded 
people. Because they're always basing uh, their circumstances on things uh, and uh, on, on, on what's going on around them. I think about this building. When we were building this building, it was a process. It took a year to build back in 1999, the ground up. And it was a process, and we went through that process, and many of you were here during that process. And we were renting and sharing a, a, a building uh, in Santa Fe Springs during that process. And there were so many needs. We had to pay that building as well as we had to build this building. And during the process, towards the end of that process, there were issues that had to be taken care of because of the contractor problems that we had. And uh, at that same time, there was a new ministry that we thought we wanted to be a part of. It was called the 180. How many remember the 180? And it was a teen ministry that, that reached out to teens and had so many wonderful programs that we were involved in. And it was a huge investment. Those of you that were here know that. And that investment was made. We bought arcade games. We, we, we got Skaterama over there in Downey. We rented that building. We fixed it all up uh, and, and did a bunch of stuff to it. And we had hundreds and hundreds of teenagers who would come every Saturday night, fill this building up, fill that building up, fill the outside up uh, for, for every week upon week and upon week, even before this building was done. How could that happen? How could God meet the need of this primary issue of building our church and at the same time doing an outreach? I'll tell you why. Because we didn't let what we saw and what we felt stop us for having a concern for teenagers who were hurting and were lost. Some of those teenagers uh, are here today, adults. Some of those teenagers here today have children who are in our school today because of the 180. Some of these, oh, those teenagers back in 1999 are serving God in ministry because of the concern. Because we didn't stop and say, we can't afford it. No, there was a need, and we knew what the Scripture said and the promise, and we stood upon the promise, and my God will supply all your needs according to His riches uh, in glory by Christ Jesus, and those needs were met. You see, God does not limit participation in outreach and in mission to those people in those churches who do not have needs. We're always going to have needs. How many can say a big amen to that? Churches will always have needs. People will always have needs. But as the scripture said, God will meet those needs. That's his promise. So we just can't wait till we have enough to give in missions and to invest in other people's lives around the world or out of our communities because then we'll never invest. Someone said even the smallest act of caring for another person is like a drop of water. It will make ripples throughout the entire pond. And when we invest in missions and we touch one city, think about that. We invested in Nicaragua, Managua, there. 
And now there's an, another church there in Nicaragua, in, 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 in the in Managua area. And now there's a church uh, because of that in uh, uh, El Salvador. And now because of that, there's going to be some churches uh, in Panama. You see, one little investment begins to ripple and begins to touch other people's lives uh, in Mexico and other areas uh, of the world. And I want to, our, our music group to make the way, if they could, as I begin to wind this down this morning. The other quality the church at Philippi had, they were a mission-minded church and a mission-minded people, is that they stood the ground of commitment. They stayed committed to missions. Yet it was good, Paul says, of you to share my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid again and again when I was in need. The church in Philippi just didn't invest, invest once. Said, okay, we did our duty. We did our Christian deed. We've got our picture taken with missionaries. We're done. We're finished. No. Again and again, they gave and invested in the Apostle Paul's life and in missions. They were committed to mission. It became an automatic reflex when it came time to invest. They made the area of their finances available to invest in the mission field. And then lastly, they had credit with the Lord. How many want credit with the Lord? That's it, it's what it says. People think, ah, you can't. How can you get credit with the Lord? It's hard enough to get credit with Bank of America. It's hard enough to get credit with the loan company. How am I going to get credit with God? In verse 17, this is what he says of our text. Not that I'm looking for a gift... But I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. Wow, we must have a, an account in heaven. Did you know that? <laughs> you have an account in heaven as a Christian, as a born-again believer. That's what the Bible says. He said, I've received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God and then he says and my God will meet all your your needs according to his riches and glories by Christ Jesus you see churches that have credit with God are churches and people who involve and invest themselves in the mission field the mission field not just other states other nations other countries obviously but areas outside of our locale and comfort zones that fragrant offering that's what we get credit credit for that pleasing not grudging but something that is sweet and blessed sacrificial giving not out of abundance but God here it is you know I have a need but I know you will meet that need 
and so I'm still going to invest. And it's pleasing to God when we do that. When you give, God is glorified. When we invest in missions, God is glorified. That's why he ends our text in verse 20. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. God gets the glory when we invest sacrificially and with the right heart outside of where we live. As our heads are bowed this morning and our eyes are closed for a few moments.